Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, Vanguard and church family, Pastor Kerry here. You know, when I was uh, playing football in high school, one of the games that we looked forward to all season was homecoming weekend. On homecoming weekend, everything was five times louder. The game was 10 times more intense. And the weekend was 15 times more fun than any other weekend that fall semester. Uh, on Friday, there was the parade, of course, and all sorts of extra festivities at school, school assembly, and everyone is in a good mood, even the faculty, and even that grumpy old science teacher I had, even he was in a good mood. The game was usually against a rival or some weaker team so that we would have a, a guaranteed win to celebrate. and. The, conf- the, the, the game was also, at the stadium, it was packed with all the fans. I mean, it was usually the best attended game of the season. So it was extra loud and family came and it was just a lot of fun. And of course, on Saturday, the weekend was capped off by a homecoming dance. I mean, come on, who doesn't love getting dressed up and going out for a night on the town, a really nice place to dinner and then going to a dance with all your friends and doing so with a a handsome boy or a cute girl. And of course, the two questions that everybody got asked leading up to homecoming weekend was, are you going to homecoming and who are you going with? And it was all the scuttlebutt of, oh, I heard so-and-so is going with so-and-so. Oh no, I really, I heard that she was going with him instead. All that to say, homecoming weekend, was something we all looked forward to. And it was usually the best weekend of the semester. Did you know that the scriptures talk about a homecoming? And not everyone's invited, by the way. It's reserved for those who have been born again by repenting of their sin and by faith trusting in Christ alone for their salvation. Before we dive into the scriptures to see what this homecoming is like, let's take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to help us understand His Word. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, thank You that Your Word lasts forever. Thank You, Lord, that even though the grass withers and the flower fades, Your Word will stand forever. Lord, would you please help us to understand these verses that we're going to be looking at today. And and Lord, please, would you use these verses to renew our minds so that we can think and live with an eternal perspective. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to open up your copy of God's Word with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> and as you turn there, I wanted to share at least a, 
A couple of reasons why I, I wanted to talk about homecoming this weekend. And that's honestly because I have, I have two fears for you as the pandemic restrictions begin to get lifted here in our state. The first fear I have is that for some of you, your life may return to a comfortable new normal. Meaning you'll go back to school and you'll go back to work or retirement with a temporal perspective. You'll go back to living the way you used to live. And even though your discomfort and your inconvenience may have been alleviated, caused by the pandemic, of course, you'll go back to thinking that life on this earth is the only life there is. That's, that's my first fear for you. Uh, for others, though, I have another fear. For others, you will remain uncomfortable and continue to suffer. And when the pandemic restrictions are lifted, you still may be ill, you still may be unemployed, and you still may be struggling financially or suffering in some other way. And you too will be tempted to live with a temporal perspective, believing that this life on earth is the only life you have to live. And so you'll be frustrated and disappointed with God. And so I, I wanna address those two fears for those two, well, actually it's probably the same fear that I have for two different groups of people. And I wanna address it from God's word here in 2 Corinthians. Now, just as a, a refresher and for a little bit of context, 2 Corinthians were letters written by the Apostle Paul to a church located in Corinth, Greece. And this church in Corinth, Greece was known, really known for having a temporal, earthly perspective. And Paul wanted to change that. There were also some developing issues in, in the apostle's life that were causing him to ponder his own mortality. You can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 if you want to read that later for some additional context. But two such issues that were really bugging Paul and that is that he nearly had died several times for preaching the gospel and he was starting to age. He was realizing that. Now, although Paul was getting physically weaker, he was also getting spiritually stronger as he got closer to heaven with old age. And that's rightfully so. That's what the Lord wants for all of us. But what helped him come to grips with this reality was thinking with an eternal perspective. We, we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, in which Paul refers to his own body as a tent. But he calls the heavenly body, he'll receive from the Lord a building or a house built by God. In other words, he was comparing the temporary dwelling of his body to the permanent structure of his heavenly body that he was going to get later. And so with that, let's, let's pick up the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. Please follow along with me. Paul writes, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and 
we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Now, generally speaking, there, are, there is a three-part homecoming when a genuine Christ follower goes home to be with the Lord. And here's the first, and this is point number one on your outline. Our spiritual problems will be solved. Point number one is our spiritual problems will be solved. To be at home in the body, as Paul refers to in verse 6, is to be living in the tent that is our earthly home. And he refers to that back in verse 1. Now, while in this state, this, this transitory state, the apostle is brutally honest about what it feels like. In fact, he, he calls it back in chapter 4, verse 16, my, he says, my body is wasting away. Have you ever felt that? Uh, those of you who are under 30 may not understand this yet, but if you're over 30, uh, you know you're, you passed your, your physical peak like a speed demon on the interstate. Uh, this is why many professional athletes start to see their skills decline after age 30 and retire in their 30s. Now, another problem that comes with living in a tent, our souls living in a tent, is the indwelling Holy Spirit that we receive at the point of our conversion has to contend with a roommate. And that roommate, of course, is our inherited sin nature. What encouraged the apostle in the midst of suffering for the gospel, fighting his own sin nature, and seeing his body decline was remembering that at any given moment, he would be home with the Lord. And we see this in, in verses 6 and 8, where he says, we are of good courage. And we also see it in, uh, for example, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21-23, where Paul says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he was, what he was saying in Philippians 1 is, he was eager to go home and be with the Lord. Now, here's a couple reasons why he felt that way. Uh, here's letter A on your outline. Uh, our souls, when we go home to be with the Lord, our souls will be perfected. Our souls will be perfected. Um, when a saint experiences their physical death and enters the Lord's presence, they will finally experience complete sanctification in what some theologians call perfection. Jude 24 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now only holy believers can populate God's holy heaven. However, complete holiness is something we can't accomplish on our own. And that's why in Jude 24 and other verses like it, we're told that this perfecting is a final work that God does so that the believer can be in his presence. Now, here's another reason why the apostle was eager to go home to be with the Lord. And it's, this is letter B. Our sin nature will be extracted. Our sin nature will be extracted. In uh, 1 John 
chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the Lord, sorry, John tells us that when the Lord returns or when we go to be with the Lord, that we shall be like him. 1 John 3, 2. That means that when the believer stands before the Lord, they will be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ by having their sin nature extracted permanently from their soul. This is a tremendous relief because it means all of our selfishness and anxiousness and pridefulness and greediness and unsubmissiveness and senselessness will be gone forever. And, and it also means then the guilt and the shame and the need to repeatedly ask the Lord to forgive us for the same sins that we keep on committing will be gone as well. Now, although the first great thing about heaven is the fact that Jesus will be there, the second best thing is that sin won't be there. And dear loved ones, that makes it worth it for me. Now, let's pause the video here for a second, and I'd like you to talk about this discussion question. Why else do you think the Apostle Paul longed to be at home with the Lord? And how can we, how do you think we could increase our desire to go home like Paul did? Talk about that for a minute, and I'll be right back. Now, the second part of this homecoming takes place when uh, this homecoming that takes place when the Christ follower goes home to be with the Lord is this, and this is number two in your outline. Our physical bodies will be healed. Our physical bodies will be healed. One of the many issues that Paul needed to address with the church in Corinth was that some of its members did not believe in bodily resurrection. And this is important because, and this is a big problem as well, because resur the resurrection is a critical part of the gospel story. And so he admonishes their disbelief in the resurrection and explains why it is so important in the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so with that, if you would Turn back to, hang a left, and if you would turn back in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. I'd like us to look at a few verses there. But keep your finger or keep a bookmark in 2 Corinthians 5, because we're going to come back there. And we're going to come back in a few minutes to that passage. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and follow along with me as I read verses 50 to 55. Paul says, uh, and this is again after he's admonished and corrected their uh, unbiblical thinking and, and doubting that a resurrection can take place. He says this, starting in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now, the trumpet that Paul's referring to here in verse 52 is an end times event called the rapture. This is... This is when Christ will come back, and I'm not going to get into too much detail on this for the sake of time, but it's when Christ will come back and will rescue living believers from the wrath that God is going to pour out on earth as judgment for earth's sin. If you want to read more about it, you can just check out 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, believers who have already died and gone to heaven will come back with Jesus in the sky, see their old bodies resurrected out of their graves, and receive a new body. Believers who are still living on earth at the time will join them up in the air and also receive a new body. This is what Paul means in verse 52 when he says, We will be changed. Now, bodily resurrection is a part of the Lord's redemption plan, in part because our bodies were also part of His creation that were tainted by sin when the fall took place in Genesis 3. Thus, it's not just our souls that need to be redeemed, but our bodies as well. Like an automobile, an automobile collector who restores a junkyard find to its original condition, the Lord is going to restore the believer's body to the original condition He intended it to have before the fall. Now, please notice a few things in the text, um, and this would be letters A, B, and C on your outline. Uh, letter A, first of all, our resurrection bodies will be imperishable. It will be imperishable. Uh, Paul says back in uh, verse 42, which we didn't read for the sake of time, but just take my word for it. Verse 42, he says, what is raised is imperishable. He uses a word in the original language there to describe both the purity and the longevity of our resurrection bodies. So, whereas sickness and injury and disease and deformities and the aging process all afflict our current bodies, our resurrection bodies, on the other hand, will never be sick, injured, disease deformed, or aged. Next, Paul tells us that uh, our resurrection bodies are going to be beautiful. In verse 43, he says that they will be raised to glory. Our old body, earthly body, will be raised to glory and transformed. And because the word glory is often used in the Scriptures to describe beauty, 
it suggests that our new bodies will be eternally attractive. Now, I know some of you are thinking, boy, that is great news. I know I'm thinking that. But here's the other thing. That means there'll be no need for makeup or anti-wrinkle, anti-aging creams or fat-burning supplements or health club memberships in the new kingdom. And because the word glory is also used to refer to brightness or a radiance in the scriptures, it's likely that we will also have some type of brightness surrounding us as well. Next, our resurrection bodies will also be, letter C, comparable. They'll be comparable. And what I mean by that is similar or recognizable. It says in verse 54 that we shall be changed. Uh, this verse and others similar to it indicate that our resurrection bodies will look similar to our present bodies, but better. And Paul says our present bodies will be changed not replaced. You might remember that after Jesus was resurrected and, and then he came back and uh, walked with his disciples, ate with them and taught them, uh, his disciples did not immediately recognize him, like on the, on the road to Emmaus. I think it's at the end of uh, the Gospel of Luke. But after he identified himself to his disciples, they did recognize him. In fact, they even recognized and noticed the nail marks on his hands and his feet. Now let's, let's pause the video here again. I'd like you to talk about this question on your handout. And that is, how should the fact that believers will be instantaneously with the Lord upon dying change the way we live? Talk about that for a minute and I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. If you would turn back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where we started our time together. And uh, read with me, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And then verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Here's uh, the third part of the homecoming that takes place when a Christ follower goes home to be with the Lord. And this is number three in your outline, and that is our gospel work will be rewarded. Our gospel work will be rewarded. A dangerous myth that some professing believers buy into is, is that all they have to do is say the sinner's prayer and then they can just keep living the rest of their lives however they want because they're saved. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.10 and several other verses of Scripture prove otherwise. They just absolutely demolish that myth. Uh, notice it says in verse 10, the judgment seat of Christ. The Greek word that Paul uses here is bima. It, it was used in the first century to refer to a platform or a throne 
upon which a judge sat um, at athletic games, such as the Greek Olympics. And when athletes would finish the race that they were running, they would stand before the official on an elevated platform to receive their medals or their wreaths, their rewards. Now, both here and in Romans 14, verse 10, Paul says that all Christ followers will have their lives evaluated and their good works for the Lord rewarded in eternity. The purpose of this evaluation is not, it's not to determine salvation, because that's already been granted to them through repentance and faith in Christ alone. But rather, the purpose of these rewards is to recognize those believers who sacrificially serve the Lord during their life here on earth. Just like soldiers who have served honorably in a war, believers who have served the Lord honorably will be given awards, crowns, and positions of responsibility in the new kingdom. And everyone who knows Christ is eligible for these rewards, but unfortunately not everyone will receive them. Now, some of the rewards that are mentioned in the New Testament include, uh, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, that's the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said there that those who have been persecuted for their faith, just like the prophets, they will receive a special reward. And then in Matthew 19, verse 29, Jesus said that those who have left um, houses and family and friends for the sake of the gospel will receive a generous reward. And then in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, uh, Paul says that those who have pursued a life of holiness while walking with the Lord here on earth will receive an award as well. And then in another example, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. It's there that it mentions a, a position of honor that is given to those who were beheaded for their Christian testimony and steadfast in their commitment to the Word of God. Now, there are other awards and rewards mentioned in the New Testament. I don't have time to, to mention the rest of them. But these eternal rewards, I think, reflect the heart of a God who is generous and sympathetic to how difficult it is to live for Him in this dark world. So, when a believer has a homecoming, their spiritual problems will be solved, their physical bodies will be healed, and their gospel work will be re rewarded. Wow! That is, that is quite a homecoming. Now, let's talk about how do we apply these passages, these Scripture verses that we looked at? What do we do now that we've heard these things? Because we know that God calls us to be doers of the Word, not just hearers. Well, here's two applications that come to mind for me. First of all, don't get discouraged when your body fails you. All, all of our physical ailments are a result of the fall in Genesis 
chapter 3. And part of God's curse on our sinfulness is that our bodies will deteriorate until we die. And there's a reason Paul called our bodies tents in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He knew, as well as we do, that tents are fragile and unreliable. And although we are called to take care of our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit, it shouldn't surprise us when they, they fail or fall apart. It's part of the curse, and it, thankfully it's temporary. But the new, the new body that God promises for Christ followers is perfect and permanent. So don't get discouraged when your body starts to fall apart. Here's the second application that comes to mind, and that is that I really want to urge you, if you're not doing so already, to faithfully serve the Lord now so you can be rewarded in the future. The apostles' first motivation, just to be clear, for serving the Lord was a deep love for Jesus Christ. He, he understood how sinful he was, and he understood all that Jesus had done for him. So he loved the Lord for that reason, and so should we. In fact, we should love him because he first loved us. However, Paul was also motivated by the promise of rewards. And he writes about that often in the New Testament. Rewards provide at least two additional benefits compensation for hard work, and a motivation to achieve more. Just as students want to get good grades because they want to please their parents and their teachers, we should want to live out the Christian life to the best of our ability because we want to please the Lord. And just as students are motivated to study harder and to discipline themselves so they can accomplish goals and earn awards and scholarships, we too should, should work hard to serve the Lord so we can be rewarded. Well, if you thought your high school homecoming was a blast, you haven't seen nothing yet. The Lord has a homecoming prepared for His children that will not only be worth the wait, but it will also be the best, most epic ever. So, I just have to ask, are you going to homecoming? Before I sign off, just want to give you a quick update. Last week, we submitted a final reopening plan to the Rosedale School District after adding a few more things to it that they asked for. We, over the last two weeks, been exchanging emails with the school district and um, adding some things that they wanted us to put into our reopening plan. And as of this recording, we're waiting to hear back from them. Uh, with a green light and a reopening date. As soon as we get word, we'll let all of you know as well. Until then, I hope you have a blessed week. Keep walking with the Lord, and I'll see you again soon. 
we hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.